All right, Isaiah chapter 33, everything, everyone got it? Amen. Starting here in verse 7. Uh, remember where we left off there in verse 5 and 6. The Lord is exalted, for he dwelleth on high. He hath filled Zion with judgment and righteousness, and wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Thank you, my friend, my beloved son. Yes, this means I was texting in church. <laughs> this is for a good cause. My goodness. Oh, that's better. And so we remember here, we started out with woe to the spoiler. Then we talked about the Lord, the fact that he would be exalted. And uh, we, we were able to find uh, this, this, uh, this chapter gave us some some pretty pretty solid uh, clues of who it was talking about. And we were able to take this back to the Assyrian, dealing with Sennacherib, looking at the, uh, the, the situation going on while Hezekiah was king. And remember, they were attempting to intimidate them and, 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 and causing fear amongst the people. Uh, and one of Sennacherib's you know, famous things was, you know, he was boasting on, None of the other kings of the regions could withstand him. None of the other gods of the other countries could save their people. And he says, so why, can, why would your king be able to save you? Why would your God be able to deliver you? And then God's response to that is, well, the Lord is exalted. Amen. Because the difference is those gods were not the real gods, but the God of Israel is, is the true and living God. Amen. Uh, and so he talked about that wisdom and knowledge would give them stability. And uh, we're thankful tonight that still today, wisdom and knowledge from the Word of God gives us stability even when things seem unstable. Um, and we talked about the strength of salvation. Now we see here in verse 7, and this is where we'll pick up this evening. Verse 7, uh, and I'll read through verse uh, probably 19. So let's uh, pick up here in verse 7. The scripture reads this, Behold, their valiant ones shall cry without. The ambassadors of peace shall weep bitterly. The highways lie waste. The wayfaring man ceaseth. He hath broken the covenant. He hath despised the cities. He regardeth no man. The earth mourneth and languisheth. Lebanon is ashamed and honed down. Sharon is like a wilderness and Bashan and Carmel shake off their fruits. Now will I rise, saith the Lord, now will I be exalted, now will I lift up myself. Ye shall conceive shaft, ye shall bring forth stubble, your breath as fire shall devour you. And the people shall be as the burnings of lime, as thorns cut up shall they be burned in the fire. Hear ye that are far off, what I have done, and ye that are near, acknowledge my might. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness hath surprised the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly. He that despiseth the gain of oppressions 
that shaketh his hands from holding of bribes, that stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood, and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil. He shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks. Bread shall be given him. His waters shall be sure. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. Thine heart shall meditate terror. Where is the scribe? Where is the receiver? Where is he that counted the towers? Thou shalt not see a fierce people, a people of deeper speech than thou canst perceive of a stammering tongue that thou canst not understand. So we'll, we'll stop there uh, for now, and I, I'll probably save 20 through 24 for next week. But let's uh, start back over at verse 7. Behold their valiant ones. So I looked at this for a second um, and, and tried to, I, tried, I was looking at this and I was thinking, is it talking about the valiant ones of Israel or is it talking about the valiant ones of Assyria? And so as I was um, looking at what God was saying with him being exalted uh, and the wisdom and knowledge shall be in st the stability of thy times, and this was God's response uh, to a people who were praying to him for help because the Assyrians had caused them to fear their own demise. And so um, they felt the pressure from Sennacherib and from Assyria and they went to the Lord in prayer and now the Lord is answering the prayer and this is a continuation of that prayer. So I've concluded through, in view of the context of the chapter, that God is telling them that there, so Assyrians, valiant ones. Well, what does that mean to be valiant? Um, that is somebody who is um, very courageous or determined. Amen. Um, and so they had a de great determination uh, in Assyria to cause Israel to subject themselves to uh, what it is that they wanted from them at that time. Um, and so we see that, um, if you'll remember in 2 Kings, one of the things that they tried to do was enter into a kind of a false peace treaty with Israel, if you would. And so there is the reference there, the ambassadors of peace. Um, but this tells us that they shall cry without, meaning they'll be without what it is that they sought after, and they will cry as a result of that. It also says that those ambassadors of peace shall weep uh, bitterly. And so I looked at that, and... Um, and I asked myself, okay, well, why will they weep bitterly? What, what specifically caused them to cry without? And, and so I was trying to, to kind of place myself in this and try to, to view it. And, and, and what I found is, well, they tried to per, pursue this peace deal between Israel and Assyria. Um, and they were, they were determined to enter into a treaty. But I want to give you this tonight. As well, and I want to bring this to your uh, to your memory from our Second King study. But um, the Assyrians were very insolent with Israel, if you would, um, if you remember how they dealt with them. And what I mean by that, they were very rude, they were very arrogant, and they lacked complete respect. The deal that they wanted with Israel was to benefit them. They wanted their way. They wanted to have control over the situation. And so what happened is um, uh, 
if you'll remember, so this verse 8 or verse 7, um, the second part of that, I think also does apply to the men that Hezekiah sent out to meet with them to try to get this peace deal arranged. So if you remember, Hezekiah did everything he could to try to make sure that there was peace between these two nations at first, right? Um, and so then there was much crying and lamenting because the thing fell apart. But also with the Assyrians, they were chastised by God, which resulted in their lamenting and, and sorrow and things that had happened. And that happened as a result of their actions. But when Hezekiah's men went to the Assyrians, what they found was that there was no dealing with them and that there was no reasoning on their behalf. Amen? This is, that is the heart of an insolent person. When they've decided that they have a hardened heart against you and they've decided that they're going to be rude and arrogant and lack respect towards you, and while you're trying to come up with some reasonable terms of agreement, they can't be reasoned with. There's no, no logical thinking. It's my way or no way at all. That's what Israel encountered. And we see this, you know, this behavior uh, quite a bit. And so there was no dealing with them. There was no uh, reasoning. And also, I want to give you this. Sennacherib was so used to such little resistance by his opponents. When he went through the land, the kingdoms fell to him with hardly a fight. They even mentioned that to Israel. They mentioned that to King Hezekiah. Um, that, that, you know, these other nations fell. It, it was like we, we just, we, it was like we didn't have to do anything. Amen. So there was such little resistance that he actually despised those that he sought to exploit to exploit and he had no restraint in putting them to sword. So he had just become so, I mean, it was like he looked down with putrid disapproval of those that he was seeking to conquer. He, he had no compassion or mercy towards just wiping them off the face of the earth. Amen. That's the condition of a hardened heart. Um, he was a man that neither feared God nor regarded, uh, nor, nor regarded man. Um, he could not be brought to any terms of reconciliation. He was unmanageable, and he sought nothing less than total control. So that is the that is the situation, the totality of it. And if you were forced in your life to have to deal with such a person and try to work some kind of an agreement out with them, to find that no matter what you do, it's not good enough, and this person is not going to work with me or be re or be reasonable you might find yourself weeping too. Amen? You might be able to relate to the fact that, you know what, they're crying without and the ambassadors of peace are weeping bitterly. Because it hurts. You're trying to come up with a reasonable solution to a problem. And so here, uh, God is revealing, most importantly, I think it was important to point all that out because in verse 5 and 6, he's saying, I'm exalted uh, the, I will fill this land with judgment and righteousness. Wisdom and knowledge will stabilize you. And then in seven, you know what he's really saying? I understand the issue. I understand completely. Sometimes we forget God understands so much more than we do. Amen. And he's saying he understands the situation. And, and then, and then in verse eight, if you look at verses eight and nine, the highways lie waste, the wayfaring man ceaseth. 
He hath broken the covenant. He hath despised the cities. He regardeth no man. We're talking about that Assyrian again. We're talking about him that spoileth. Um, he says that the earth mourneth, languisheth. Lebanon is ashamed, honed down. Now know this, uh, Sharon, Bashan, Carmel, all viewed in, in a under the chastisement here or, or, or being honed down, being uh, like a wilderness, being desolate being unfruitful. Remember, these were beautiful, fruitful, plentiful regions that belonged to Israel. So God is kind of pointing that out. Um, what we're seeing here is the result of somebody, somebody's uh, rule or control when they are insolent and self-serving instead of uh, reasonable and compassionate to others. Um, but then the Lord promises this and he says in verse 10, he's reminding, despite these things, now will I rise, saith the Lord, now will I be exalted, now will I lift myself up. That's the Lord reminding, reminding them again. I understand the situation. I understand what's happened as a result of the situation. And even though I'm still going to be risen up, I'm still going to be magnified, I'm still going to be exalted. God's saying, I'm still going to be uh, I'm still going to get the victory, if you would. Amen? Um, he says that, I'll be exalted, now will I lift myself up. Well, aren't you thankful for a God that will be exalted this evening? Amen? No matter what. Uh, no matter what we're facing, what we're going through, what the situation is, God knows, He understands, and He can take care of it. Then we see this, and, and I like this, we see some chastisement happening here to them for their treatment of Israel. And that's the way I took verses 11 through 14. Uh, ye shall conceive shaft, ye shall bring forth stubble, your breath is fire, shall devour you. That's kind of the breath of fire that devours you. That's kind of like your own careless words are going to come back to haunt you. Amen? Kind of, you know, can you see that? Your own words are going to get turned around on you. Um, God has a way of doing that. Sometimes we just put a big old foot in our mouth. Whoop. Amen? <laughs> Foot's better than fire, probably, although you hope it's, uh, you know where I'm going with that. I just, I'm just saying. But so that, that's what God's saying there. Hear ye that are far off. God's saying, take heed. Hear what I have done. Ye that are near, acknowledge my might. God's saying those that are near, you're going to acknowledge me. You're going to acknowledge what I've done here. Those that are far off geographically or far off from God spiritually. He desires that they would hear the works that he has done. That they would have opportunity to turn and repent. And then we see verse 14. I got plenty of time here. Verse 14. And this also kind of, I kind of meditated on this one. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Well, who inhabited Zion? The Jews, right? So now he's making a reference to his own people. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness hath surprised the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? Now this one, I, I wrestled with this for a minute. Because I thought, well, I guess, but didn't they get into Zion? And so wouldn't they be the hypocrites because they didn't keep their arrangement and they didn't keep their word to Israel? When they went into Jerusalem, they broke their own treaty. They broke their covenant. I thought that certainly applies. 
But you know what? Israel also had sin and there was sin in God's camp. Amen. This was this was Jerusalem, this was Zion. And we have to remember part of the reason they landed here, even though Hezekiah was a righteous king, Israel always struggled with having sin in the camp somewhere. And so so it is. I mean, we still have this today. I mean, uh, none of us are perfect yet. But here we, we see sin in God's camp. Um, but I want to give you this as a reminder. There were people that dwelt in Jerusalem that enjoyed its privileges they were involved, they served there, they had responsibilities there, they had position there, but their hearts weren't right with God. You know, the reality is, we can do a lot of great things and do a good thing for the Lord and still do so with a heart that's not right with Him. Amen? Amen? And the thing that this paints, the picture that this paints to us is that if we do that in our life, even though we've had those benefits, had those privileges, had those opportunities, we still are going to suffer some consequence for never having gotten our own hearts right in the process. Amen? And then it, tell, and then it asks us, you know, here we see a picture of a devouring fire. If you would, this almost looks like God saying, I'm going to judge the works. Well, we find in Corinthians that our works are going to be judged by a fire. Amen? And some will stand. Those built with the gold and the silver and the precious stones, but those some will be burnt up. Wood, hay, and stubble. It says you go through the fire, you'll still be saved. Thank the Lord for that but we'll lose rewards. We lose rewards if our hearts weren't right. They had the rewards of being in Zion. They had the reward of being God's people, but yet those that didn't get their hearts right still suffered consequences for it. And so it asks us is, it, it asks us who, who, who among us should dwell? In other words, who's going to pass through this fire? Who's going to make it through this without loss? And it tells us, verse 15, he that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly. Lord, help us. Help us pursue a walk of righteousness with him. And you know what I have found out in my life? I get so busy trying to line my own life up with this for a righteous walk that I really don't have time to put someone else's life under a magnifying glass and figure out how right with God they are. That's between them and the Lord. Amen? Because this Bible keeps me busy enough with Brother Brian. But yet I find that some people seem to only be able to see what they think this says to everyone else. But do they ever bother to compare their own life to the reflection that this gives them in the mirror? Amen? Do they ever compare themselves to what it says and go through an inventory checklist of, am I walking righteously? Because if I'm not... Maybe I shouldn't point the finger at everyone else. Maybe I need to turn that thing around and point it right here. Amen? 
Focus on me. It says, and speaketh uprightly. You know, I think walking righteously is hard enough. But speaking right uh, uprightly, there's a challenge. Because we've read in James how wicked and evil the tongue can be. Amen? And so, first, get a righteous walk. Once you have that, ask God for wisdom in the choice of words we speak. Because if we're walking righteously and we're truly lining our life up with the Word of God and living it from front to back, asking God for wisdom in the things that we say, how we say them, when we say them, and to reveal to us the things that we probably shouldn't say and don't need to say, you know, every time, sometimes we we need God's Holy Spirit to say, you know what, that's probably not even a necessary comment or whatever. So that we can have a closer relationship with God and, and, and have some rewards when our works pass through that fire. Amen. Uh, he that despiseth the gain of oppression. So we obviously would stand against that which is oppressive. Um, nothing is more oppressive than the bondage of sin uh, that shaketh his hands from holding of bribes. Right. Don't you like an honest person that doesn't have. You know, doesn't have secret agendas and motives and things. In, you know, whew, there's a lot of people taking bribe money and all that stuff. I like a person that's uncompromised. Amen? Uncompromised. In other words, those things are not going to have an impact on decision making and judgment. Right? Because again, this is somebody who's walking righteously, has the wisdom of God, speaking up rightly. Standing for what's right, that stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood, doesn't even want to hear it, shutteth his eyes from seeing evil, doesn't want to see it. That's a walk that we need, amen? I don't want to hear it. Somebody comes speaking evil of any kind, I don't even want to hear it. Somebody comes talking to me about somebody else, mm, let's talk about you. Well, why is that? Because they're not here right now. I can't talk to them. Amen? Uh, that's just how it should be. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. So what happens if you do see it? Well, now we're back to seeking God on walking righteously and speaking uprightly. Amen? And asking Him to guide us. And if we do these things, as I close out here, Verse 16, he shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rock. Look, if we are just pursuing, we should live to be like Jesus. Amen? And these are the character. We realize Jesus is always righteous and upright and, and his judgments. Are, so we should desire that. And if we choose to be in pursuit of his wisdom and knowledge and to apply this in our life, Christ promises us to dwell on high. We'll have our reward. A place of defense shall be the munitions. But even in this life, he's saying this, you're going to have the defense of the word of God in your life. Amen? Sometimes we forget if we're standing for what's right, there's going to be opposition. God's going to stick, stick up for you. Because you're on, the side, you're on the side of the word of God. You're on the Lord's side. Amen?
Um, and that's what he's promising here. And so you'll have the defense. Listen to this. Bread shall be given him. God's going to take care of us. He's going to provide for us. We're going to have our needs met. Says this, that the, um, his waters shall be sure. Amen. The waters shall be sure. Our thirst will be quenched. He'll provide for us what we need. Our life sustainment. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. Who's ready to see the king tonight? Amen. Thine heart shall meditate terror. Now remember, terror in the, he, in the Hebrew language does not, is not, doesn't have the negative connotation as the English language does. Actually, the word's actually a positive word. In Hebrew, it means terrific. Amen? Um, but it says here that the, 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 the heart will meditate this. And then we'll ask this. Where is the scribe? Where is the receiver? Where is he that counted the towers? Thou shalt not see a fierce people. This, this got me. A people of a deeper speech than thou canst perceive of a stammering tongue that thou cannot understand. But he just said this. He's giving them a vision of basically being face to face with the king. It's like, to me, almost like we're just in heaven here, if you would. Maybe the millennial kingdom because we're dealing with the prophets. But then it says this, where is the scribe? Where is the receiver? And then we're back through in context of the whole chapter as I close this out. You know what that kind of tells me? Some people played along the whole time, never had the real relationship. Where are they at? They were the ones that got hurt in the end. But for those that are sincere in an honest pursuit of a solid relationship with Christ, we receive all the benefits of the reward. Amen? It's up to each one of us to decide for ourselves how we're going to pursue that closer relationship with Christ. We can't control what anyone else does. But we can focus on us, and God will reward us for it in the end. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the word tonight. Thank you for this chapter. Thank you for our study through Isaiah. Very powerful, powerful messages that strengthen the hearts of those that love you, Lord. That warn those that are um, rebelling against you, Lord, or drifting away from you, Lord. And, and Lord, we thank you tonight for your mercy and your grace and that you give every opportunity to us um, to do the right thing. And to turn to you and to receive forgiveness of sins and to receive wisdom and knowledge for you, from you and guidance and direction that we too can walk uprightly and live a righteous life and speak uprightly and uh, possess godly character and attributes in our daily living, Lord. Help us with this. And, um, and we pursue that and we seek after that, Lord. And we thank you that you help us all along the way, Lord. And um, Lord, it's good. It's good to have a relationship with you. We thank you so much for loving us. Um, thank you for picking us up when we're down. And um, when life is getting to us and we're tired and we're wore out and the world's coming at us hard, thank you that you've promised us victory, Lord. And, uh, and just as we've seen here in this passage, 
Um, those that sought with everything in them to live peaceably amongst all men. God, when things come against us and we just can't can't seem to find a, a ground of reasoning with those that are opposed of us for whatever reason, God, we just ask that you will put your hand in the middle of that and that you'll be exalted. Um, Lord, I don't, I don't want to exalt myself. I, no, no sincere Christian wants to exalt themselves. We want you to be exalted. We want to live to glorify you. We want the things that come about in our life to bring you glory. And we've seen you glorified in this chapter tonight, Lord. Help us duplicate the pattern that we've seen from your people. That no matter what we face, we too live to glorify you tonight, Lord. That we will stand. We'll pass through the fire. We'll, we'll keep our rewards for serving you, for sincerely loving you, and trusting you as Lord over our life. Help us live pleasing to you each and every day. With every action, with every word that comes out of our mouth, Lord, just take complete possession of the vessels that we are and use us to show others your strength and might that many more people would come to trust you before it's everlasting too late. Lord, we thank you for this evening. We lift up the, all those prayer requests to you again. Be with your people. Protect everyone as we leave here tonight, Lord. And uh, help everyone have a blessed week, Lord. Protect me as I'm out on the road training. And uh, just strengthen everyone. Help everyone get healed up and strengthened who's recovering from all these different things going on. And um, Lord, we pray that you will bring everyone together this upcoming Lord's Day in unity of the Spirit, loving one another, ready to worship you in spirit and truth, Lord. We pray for a fantastic Lord's Day this weekend. Thank you for all the blessings you've been pouring out on our church, Lord. It's really been fantastic seeing new people come and new visitors and children. And just, God, that's all from you. And we pray that you would protect our church and not let anything get in the way of the work that you're doing here in New Lexington Bible Church. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.